Thank you, Miss Addie. What a wonderful, wonderful word today. Uh, I want you to take your Bibles, turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. For the last few weeks, I've been preaching on the study, or not on a study, I've been preaching from the subject matter uh, of uh, the altar and prayer. And uh, we began that some uh, month or longer ago out of the book of Ezra, where Ezra uh, was told that uh, there was permission granted to go back from Babylon, all who would desire to. And as they went back, there would also be resources sent with them to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple that had been destroyed and desecrated by the Babylonians there before captivity. Well, we know that because of that decree that they go back to Jerusalem and as they begin to rebuild, what they did not do is immediately start on the temple itself, but the Scripture said that they first builded the altar. And that comes out of Ezra chapter 3, if I remember correctly. So from that, we've been looking at some passages that deal with prayer, deal with the altar, deal with its purpose, deal there with uh, subject matter. And uh, today we're reading uh, out of Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. I'm going to focus on verse number 11 through verse number 14, and then we'll make reference back on some of the other verses. But what happens in this chapter that is so unique now is that the priest, uh, Zechariah, who is ministering, is ministering there at uh, the altar of incense, uh, which in reality is the very place the people had went back uh, those many centuries earlier to rebuild what was commonly known as Zerubbabel's temple. Well, uh, again, uh, if you'll follow along with me as I read from verse 11 and uh, read through verse number 14. Verse 11 said, And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right, hand, on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bring or bear thee a son, and shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. Notice that last sentence there. And many shall rejoice at his birth. Now as we look at this passage today, I want you to uh, notice the, the Scripture is so faithful to speak for itself, and as we allow it to, God will speak to us through it uh, as we're here today. Last Sunday, for those of you who were here, I remind you, those who were not, uh, just a little reflection. We looked last Sunday at some hindrances to prayer or hindrances in prayer. First of all, uh, prayerlessness itself is the greatest hindrance uh, in prayer. And that simply means uh, that there is a lack of prayer, okay? I'm so grateful that in these latter weeks and months, uh, uh, particularly and especially even days, that God uh, has used the current events of where we are 
And the current events of what has uh, gone on around us with COVID, uh, not only COVID, but also with the experience of 9-11, we are reminded of that. And, and you know, the, the thought is that many prayers have went up uh, because of these things at the end of the service today. Uh, I'm going to call you to a time of prayer for some of our people uh, that are in some uh, very tough situations. So as we think about that, many of us have been called to prayer more so than we have been maybe faithful to in the past. Other hindrances to prayer is a lack of faith. Surely we would not pray to our Lord, who is omnipotent, who is able to do anything, everything. We would not pray to Him and not think that He would be able to deliver what we are requesting. So if we're going to pray without faith, you know, save your energy. Why? Because the Scripture itself tells us that if we do not believe uh, there through faith what we're praying for, God will not grant that. There's also uh, 1 Peter 5, I think it's 1 Peter uh, there, where the Scripture tells us that strained relationships between uh, spouses will also bring about uh, hindrances in our prayers. Well, uh, we could go on and on. Asking amiss, you know, the Scripture said, you have not because you ask not, and also because you ask amiss to consume it upon your own lust. Now, there are many more reasons throughout the Scripture for unanswered prayer, okay? Surely you know more than I've just given you. But today we want to take this passage and realize that for a moment what we're reading is an unanswered prayer. It is something that Zacharias, the priest, has been personally praying for for some time now. I don't even know how long of time it is. The Scripture is not uh, true. It just doesn't bring us that because I think it's just saying to me it's not significant. However, as we begin to look at the passage today, verse 10 says, if your Bible is open, if not I'll read, says, and the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. The commentarians tell us concerning verse 10 and on there that more than likely this has taken place on the Sabbath day. Remember, the Jews would still go to the uh, place of the temple. They would still worship on the Sabbath day. And uh, the commentarians are saying most likely this is a Sabbath worship. And because of that, when it said the whole multitude of people were praying... Well, are they praying possibly for John, I mean for Zacharias who was praying there that God would give them a son? We're not sure, but we know one thing. There is much worship going on. There is much prayer being offered. And now in verse number 11, we see there that the angel comes before him at the right side of the altar and said, Zacharias... Don't be troubled. Why? Your prayer is heard. There's some things that we need to guard there. I call them assumption in prayer, okay? There's some things that we're not careful that we assume upon. Yes, I gave you some hindrances to prayer. 
uh, I can tell you from experience, many of those I've, uh, I have uh, personally uh, endured myself. Why? Because, you know, once in a while that old humanity comes out. And as a result of that, whether you're the, the, the member on the pew or the pastor on the, uh, or at the pulpit, it really doesn't matter. These truths are applicable to all of us. Now, some, uh, I call it assumptions in prayer that we might have. Verse 13 is my proof text for that. The angel said to him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. One of the things that we could assume upon there is listed that the Lord will answer every prayer. Now, uh, think about it for a moment. The Lord will hear the prayer, but we do not have the confidence that He will answer every prayer. There used to be this generic answer to that. And the generic answer that I grew up around was this, that the Lord does answer every prayer. And he says, or the person saying that said, well, number one, the Lord could answer that prayer, yes, affirmative, meeting your request there. Number two, the Lord will answer every prayer because if He doesn't give you a yes on it, He'll give you a no for it. Well, you know, uh, not all prayers are answered no. We're going to find in just a moment. The third thing about the Lord answering every prayer, some would say either yes or no or wait. Now, with that in mind, uh, we could all uh, mix up our theology with that, could we not? And the reason I say that is because the Lord doesn't always tell me when I'm in a wait mode. Matter of fact, if I look at this passage correctly this morning, I'm seeing that Zechariah has at some point prayed for what I will consider a lengthy time that the Lord would give he and his wife a male child. And because of this, uh, they're in a pattern, might I use for an expression there, or they're in a mode now of uh, trying to uh, be faithful to know, now God, are you? Are you not? Am I waiting? But the Scripture says one thing uh, for them, and that is that they continued faithfully doing what God had entrusted to them while they were in this particular position. Now, folks, let me just say to you about assumptions in prayer. Uh, we assume that the Lord might answer every prayer. I've had to much change my thought pattern to this passage over the 40 years of my pastoring, and the reason be not just from my prayer, but from the prayer of others uh, over these years, watching them and listening to them, and likewise them coming to pour their heart out to me about where is God on this matter concerning my prayer. And I've had to say, I don't know. There's a second assumption that uh, I find that, that is a common assumption, and that is that the Lord will answer every prayer in our time. Now notice, I specified their our time. Now, with that thought in mind, yes, the Lord might answer prayer, not every prayer in our time, but the point of emphasis there is our time. I don't know about you, but sometimes we have prayed specifically. We sometimes have gotten ourselves in a jam 
for lack of a better word. Uh, we're in a particular position that we need some we need some immediate response from the Lord. And as a result of that, we have thought there that, hey, Lord, I'm going to put a time limit on this thing. I need this answer by X date or else I'm, I'm just going to be in trouble. Now, you know, I know of many prayers God did answer that way. I do. I could tell you people that God met that had prayed that way. But I'm going to be honest with you, I could tell you more instances of people who have prayed that way that God did not answer in, that, in their time. However, there is some reality here and that God always works in His time, okay? Now, with that in mind, I remember uh, 20 years, 15 years, uh, 30 years that usually in many of our prayers, toward the end of our prayer, we would preface that with this little statement, and you remember what it was. We would pray and make our petitions and requests known, and then we'd say, if the Lord will. Now, I'm not saying we were wrong in saying that, because in honesty, the Scripture tells us that we should be asking of the things uh, that God is well pleased uh, there. We should ask things according to His will. But sometimes that's very hard to discern. You know, because even as you read your Bible, if you're like I am, there are some things you have to dig hard for and pray harder for, okay? There's a third assumption in prayer uh, there that I, I have uh, tried to work through this week, and that is when the Lord does not answer prayer in our time, that means no. I believe there would be evidence in this group today if we took time to give public testimony, there would be someone who would say, yes, I prayed like this. And I prayed diligently like that. And I could find nothing in the Scripture that would, would say that that would be wrong or out of the will of God. And as I prayed like that, I'd never heard a no. God never told me it's not going to happen. So I would just pray. I believe that's probably where we find Zacharias today. And the Scripture tells us there in verse number 13, The angel said to him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. To me, concerning that subject matter, according to the Word of God, that's the first response uh, that I find that God has given to them for whatever length of time he has been praying, or they have been praying, for a son. So, when the Lord doesn't answer our prayer in our time, does that mean that we should just quit praying? That means we should start pouting because God hasn't heard us correctly. Absolutely not. I remember a young lady in the first church we were pastoring in the 80s. She was going out one Sunday evening after the evening service, and she said to me or questioned me on how long should we pray for something and my quote then as a young pastor was this, pray until you get an answer. Well, I feel like I'm wrong when I ask God for something continuously. I believe Zacharias is a good example of somebody who just trusted God was going to do that and he just hadn't heard anything different. There's another assumption and that is when the Lord does not answer prayer that there's sin 
in our life that might be causing him not. Ladies and gentlemen, could I tell you, sin is a tremendous hindrance there in getting answered prayer in our life. The Scripture tells us if we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. It tells us that, yes, that is a uh, tremendous roadblock to getting God's will done through our lives. But let me tell you, it is not the reason for every unanswered prayer in our lives. And the reason I say that is from experience of other people as well as biblical example There were many people who did not get what they prayed for, but it wasn't always because of sin. I'm reminded there for the large part of the book of Job, and I know that you know the book of Job, a just and an upright man. The scripture said that God visited him one day, and he lost his family, he lost his fortune, but he never lost his faith. But his friends, who were counselors, they came and they sat there seven days without uh, saying a word, which is a miracle. But then after the seven days, they went months, maybe, without keeping their mouths shut. And all they could say is, hey, you're where you are because of sin. You're where you are because of sin. Just confess it. Friend, if you've had an unanswered prayer, if you know it's because of sin, confess it. But if you're not sure it's because of sin, don't put yourself through, 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 through an abundance of guilt. Because unless the Lord has shown you that, God might have you and I in a holding pattern. Assumptions in prayer. Adam Clark, in his commentary on the Bible, concerning verse 13, says this when he was talking about the prayer is heard or thy prayer is heard. He said the first thing is to the frequent prayers which he had offered to God for a son. Or or other words, he had prayed a lot for this. Now nobody knows that, but we suppose he most likely did. Secondly, to those which he had offered for the deliverance and consolation of Israel. So therefore, the Lord said, do not stress out over this. Your prayer has been heard. Some of you right now are praying on your pew or right where you sit, and it doesn't bother me that you're praying while I preach. That helps me and helps you. But you're praying for things that you're not absolutely sure about what the will of God is concerning that. Keep praying. Pray faithfully. Not only assumptions in prayer, let me just give you a few applications, what I call in prayer. He said, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And then there's another little section of that sentence. And it says, Thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. And go ahead and know that the name is chosen. Y'all going to call him John. You know, that's usually one of the highlights of having a child born into your family, isn't it? Take about nine months trying to figure out what to name him or name her. And you know, those uh, women who have always just knew it was a son and they get to the delivery date and out comes the girl. Then you've got the stress of trying to figure out the name again. Isn't it wonderful when God will just go ahead and name them? Well, the Lord did. When I think of that passage, I think of sometimes the answer 
to prayer is direct. Now, it wasn't immediate, but it was direct, was it not? Matter of fact, he's even giving them more information than they had probably asked for. Sometimes the answer is direct. Sometimes the answer is delayed. I think in their case it definitely had been delayed. Why? I don't know. You remember the story of Abraham in the book of Genesis. And you remember how God had made them a promise that they were going to have a child. And you know, because through that child, their number would be more than the sands of the seashore if you tried to count the offspring. Well, you know what God did? He delayed, did He not? But you know, they took that delay as a no. And Abraham's wife come in and said, Hey, we've got a dilemma. Well, what is it, Sarah? Well, I ain't produced a kid yet. And God said, I would, and we're getting old. So we better try another way. And we remember that Hagar, because of their lack of faith, created a mess, did it not? See, sometimes the answer is direct. Sometimes it's delayed. Sometimes the answer might be different. And then sometimes it might be denied Yes, thank God for unanswered prayer sometimes. We'll speak to that in the end today. But yes, God sometimes says no. Does God take pleasure in telling us no? I'm not going to say He takes pleasure or delight in that. But I promise you this, God knows what's best. And that always is the thing that should please us as well as Him. So those applications in prayer lead me to address quickly a delayed answer in prayer. Just a moment. Psalm 86, 7 said, In the day of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. In the day of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call upon the Lord, and He will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Almost as if it's implying both of those verses that there would be an immediate answer to the prayer. Now I'm sure Brother Clint, who was a missionary who served in Africa, he could tell us all the stories about things they prayed for. He could tell us about the delayed answers to prayer. Probably could tell us about some denied answer to prayer. But when we think about a delayed answer to prayer, it's not because God isn't able. <laughs> there could be many reasons. It could be because we're not quite ready to receive that answer as much as we think we have matured to be able to do that. For Zacharias and Elizabeth, God gave them something better than they asked for. It was different. He was the forerunner of the Messiah, their son filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. If you remember the story, he's the first one that we know when hearing about the Messiah who is or was to come, he leaped in his mother's womb. He's the first one got excited other than Mary and Joseph. Now that might not be funny to you, but I find it humorous that he heard that message of Jesus to be born. So they got more than they had really asked for. Some assurance in prayer. 
quoted a couple of verses earlier. You noticed Psalm 86, 7, Jeremiah 33, 3. I like the older preachers, some of them dead and gone, some of them alive and well. Jerry Vine says this, We are never to pray for something that would deny His Word, being God's Word, would dishonor His name, or discredit His work. Now let me repeat that. We are not to pray for something that would deny His Word. We're not to pray for something that would dishonor His name or discredit His work. I don't know what you're praying for. I don't know how long you've been praying for it. I guarantee you some of you are praying for people to be saved. Some of you are praying for things that you need in your life. Some of us in time past have prayed selfishly, amiss. Why? We just thought we needed more, needed something different. And because of that, we did not have lots of assurance in our prayer. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, Behold, the Lord is at hand, and His hand is not short that it cannot save. Neither is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear you. Notice, that verse did not say he will not hear you, but he does not hear you, and that's based upon the condition that your life, or in my case, my life, was not bearing evidence to conformity to the Lord and His Word. Many of you have probably heard this. It's not original with me. I do not know the source of it, or I would give you the source. However, listen as I read. He prayed for strength that he might achieve. He was made weak that he might obey. He prayed for health, that he might do great things. He was given infirmity, that he might do better things. He prayed for riches, that he might be happy. He was given poverty, that he might be wise. He prayed for power, that he might have the praise of men. He was given weakness, that he might feel the need of God. He prayed for all things that he might enjoy life. He was given life that he might enjoy all things. He had received nothing he asked for, but all that he hoped for, his prayer was answered, and he was most blessed. Have you ever thought about how blessed you were because of something God did not give you in answer to a prayer. Yes, I would have a list of some things that I could tell you I'm glad God said no. Now, God didn't just come direct to me and say, Hey man, you ain't going to get it. Pardon the English. But He said no. He didn't answer it. And now, 
30, 40, 50 years later, we can say, hey, praise the Lord that God didn't answer that prayer. I was telling the group in the first worship this morning that I was Googling in the thought about unanswered prayer. I forget how many hits there were, and when I'm saying that I mean how many various opportunities there were to see what others have said about that. But there was a, there was a music artist who's not a Christian music artist, who wrote a song. He's not a theologian. I don't know that there is a country music theologian. But he wrote a song, and just listen to an excerpt that I read about what he had quoted. It was Garth Brooks, if you're wondering who he was. And he titled it, Unanswered Prayers. He provided this background to the information on the song, and I've not listened to the song, so I'm not speaking to exactly what was said. He said, quote, Pat Auger, and I worked on this song quite a long time without a hook. That means a line. We passed it by Larry Bastian, and it was as if it was meant to be. Larry and his wife, Mama, and I were talking or taking a walk down 18th Avenue, and he looked at me and said, Oh, that's simple. This song should be called Unanswered Prayers because some of he, or because there, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. He said, this is probably the truest song I've ever been involved with as a writer. He said, it actually happened to my wife and me when we went back home to Oklahoma. Every time I sing this song, it teaches me the same lesson. Happiness isn't getting what you want. It's wanting what you've got. The paragraph concerning that... I did not read it in the first service. But he says, and again I quote, he said, Unanswered prayers was a big part of my heart that went out on that record. A true life thing that happened to Sandy and myself. In October of 89, I saw my old high school flame. And I can say this now, at the time I couldn't. He said for the first two years of his married life, he really thought the girl that was for me was still that girl, that high school sweetheart. He said, and now, man, just the realization that what you have is the best for you and the best you could ever do in your lifetime. He said, God made me know the power of unanswered prayer. I I close by telling you, if God had answered all my prayers, I might have never pastored this pulpit for 23 years. If God had answered all my prayers, many other things might not have 
worked out the way God's working them out. There's some things we're yet praying for. When I say we are, Debbie and I, we want some wisdom about the future. But God always tells me, why worry about the future? Why not just enjoy the day? As you bow your head with me today in time of invitation, can we just say together today, God knows best. Your head is bowed and your eyes closed. If you know Jesus, you know that He is a caring shepherd. The Savior who loved you so much that He gave His life for you. The answer to every mama's prayer is that their kids would come to know Jesus. And that's speaking for everybody in the sound of our voice. Trust Jesus. Admit you're a sinner. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess your sin to Him but confess your faith in Him. Is there something you're asking God for? Keep asking until God gives answer. He could have us waiting. And if He is, it's because there's something good on the way. Father, I thank You. So many things to thank you for. But yet one of my big things still is thanking you for unanswered prayer. Because there was a time in my life when I was selfish. I did not even know what would be best for me. But oh Lord, you're that loving shepherd that leads us into green pastures because you care for our soul. People today, under the sound of my voice, listening through internet even, I pray grace for them as well. Lord, that they'll know God and come before you with their petitions. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand together with